Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Welcome to this podcast. Today, I want to look at service accommodation, and this podcast isn't about going into detail uh, about exactly how service accommodation works for tax purposes. However, what I do want to do is open up some opportunities for you to perhaps think about whether or not you could use service accommodation, or if you're thinking about it, uh, perhaps to encourage you to look into it further so you can understand it in a bit more detail. Uh, and if you've got no interest in service accommodation whatsoever, after having listened to this podcast and understood some of the tax advantages, it might, it might just encourage you to perhaps uh, consider looking at service accommodation as one of your property strategies. Uh, so the big reason uh, to look at service accommodation, especially if you're a buy-to-let landlord, is that Section 24 Mortgage Interest Relief does not affect a service accommodation business. So if you meet the rules and you qualify as a service accommodation business, uh, then Section 24 doesn't affect you, which means you can claim all the mortgage interest on your loans. Uh, so that's a really big one. And what are those rules, you may be thinking? And they are as follows. The first, when I say rules, what I really mean is the conditions. Uh, and the first condition is that the property must be available for commercial letting uh, for 210 days out of the tax year. Uh, for the first year, it's the first, you look at the 210 days, uh, of the first 365 days. For the last year, so when you sell your service accommodation business, if you sell it, you look at the last 365 days when you're looking at the 210-day condition and the other two conditions, which I'm going to share with you now. And for all years in between, it goes from start of the tax year, which is the 6th of April, and ends at the end of the tax year, which is the following 5th of April. So for the first uh, year, the 210 days uh, are the first 365 days. In the final year, it's the last 365 days, uh, if you can follow that, and I hope you can. So it has to be available for commercial letting for 210 days. It has to be actually let for 105 days. Uh, and the pattern of occupation cannot exceed 155 days for any periods in excess of 100, sorry, of 31 days in a row. Uh, now there are some people, uh, and only a handful by the way, who think that the rules I've just shared with you don't apply to service accommodation because these rules uh, apply to furnished holiday lets. Uh, but I struggle to see how that would work otherwise because unless you have a hotel or you have a bed and breakfast business or something which is like a bed and bre breakfast business, uh, there's no other rules which you could use 
for service accommodation uh, and gain all the tax advantages that come with it other than using the furnished holiday letting rules. Uh, so I would suggest you follow these rules when setting up a service accommodation business uh, rather than assuming that service accommodation is a business uh, because it isn't uh, and isn't, it, it's not a trading business either by the way it's treated as a trading business for certain tax benefits uh, so please bear that in mind and keep these rules handy and make sure you meet the rules now of course if you don't meet the rules for some reason uh, there are a couple of elections you can make and again I, I won't go into those in detail uh, because if you've been listening to my podcast you'll realize I try and keep them pretty short succinct uh, and to the point uh, so in order to, to stick to that criteria uh, I'll raise your awareness to the two elections and you can go away and research them and if you're really struggling feel free to uh, make contact with me and I'll happily uh, take it offline and uh, share uh, whatever I know about the topic so the two elections are the averaging election so you can use this uh, but then there's also a period of grace election so if you don't meet the rules for some reason so the averaging election really works basically uh, where you've got two or more units and one unit comfortably, comfortably meets the conditions I've just shared with you about the availability uh, and uh, the actual days it's let out for and uh, the pattern of occupation uh, so you can use so if you've got two or more units one doesn't meet the rules the other one does meet the rules pretty comfortably you can add both of, the, of those units together and add the number of days together to average out and then you've got something called a period of grace election you can make that if you don't meet the service accommodation rules for any one particular year so those two are elections you should be aware of uh, and make a mental note Moving on from that, some of the other tax advantages which are available to you, uh, which wouldn't be available uh, to a buy-to-let landlord, for example, uh, are entrepreneur's relief, and that's a big one, uh, where you only pay 10% tax if you cease trading or you sell your business uh, up for up to 10 million pounds per person, and that's a, the 10 million pounds is a lifetime limit, as long as you meet the rules for entrepreneur's relief, but that's available. Uh, if you run a service accommodation business and you've obviously met the other three rules of the 210 days and the 105 days and you've not exceeded the 155 days period of occupation so let's just assume going forward from here on that you meet those rules so you've got the availability of entrepreneurs relief which is fantastic uh, you've got rollover relief you've got gift relief which is a gift of business assets you've got relief for loans to traders and then you've got substantial shareholding exemption uh, which applies to companies uh, so those are some of the extra reliefs available to you uh, if you qualify as a service accommodation business which aren't available to standard buy-to-let businesses which are treated as an investment business above and beyond that you've also uh, you can use your net relevant you can use your profits from a service accommodation business as your net relevant earnings for pension contributions uh, so that's quite handy what that means is uh, you can contribute up to 40,000 pounds every single year into a pension and if you haven't used the last three years then you're bringing forward up to 120,000 pounds so in any one year you could contribute 160 using the last three years but obviously then going forward you'd only have 40,000 pounds per year 
So, so you can use uh, the income and the, pro the profits uh, from service accommodation towards pension contributions. The real biggie though, uh, of course, is capital allowances. So when you're buying property, you can claim capital allowances. Uh, and again, you've got two options available to you. The first one is that when you buy, let's say a commercial property, you'll have capital allowances on the actual purchase. So that's going to help you. Then the second uh, element is when you carry out refurbishment work, you'll have additional capital allowances. And of course, as the rules stand right now, you've got the annual investment allowance up to a million pounds up till the 31st of December 2020. That means you can write off up to a million pounds uh, in capital allowances against one particular year's profits, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and going uh, after the 31st of December, that figure is going to drop down to what it used to be, which is £200,000 per year. But again, that's pretty significant and large too. So the annual investment allowance allows you to accelerate your allowances uh, and to claim them in a particular tax year. So please do make sure you look at capital allowances and make sure you claim capital allowances because that's really, really big and it's a kind of game changer for you. Uh, so make sure you don't miss out on that, that's important. And also, uh, if spouses own a partnership business, uh, which operates as service accommodation, uh, then you don't have to, and let's say both uh, husband and wife own 50% each, you don't have to split the profits 50-50, unlike a buy-to-let business. Uh, here, you can use the normal partnership rules, which means you can pretty much uh, split the interest of the profits uh, as you desire, which is again a, a pretty good advantage and something that you should be aware of and make a note of because it will help you out. So those are the, the tax advantages. Alongside that, you also need to consider TOMS, the Tour Operators Margin Scheme. Uh, and if you qualify for that, uh, you're going to pay uh, less VAT in a roundabout way as long as you qualify for it. And I say less because you're only going to pay VAT on the margin as opposed to the gross income. Uh, and again, that is significant, very, very significant. So you want to be looking at that and seeing does Tom's apply to your business? If not, going to an expert, and we've got one in-house by the way, but you can go to any other uh, expert of your choosing. Uh, when I say expert, I mean a VAT expert, uh, and perhaps structure the business so that Tom's could, could possibly apply. And again, that's going to improve your cash flow because if it doesn't, you're basically going to pay 20% of your income to the Batman. So if you're charging £100 a night or let's say £120 a night, uh, then £20 will go to uh, HMRC for VAT. If Tom's applies uh, and then you only pay VAT in the margin, which is going to be a much smaller number. So you want to make sure you bear that in mind. And it's quite important. Now, something else which I think you should be aware of, if you only have one property, let's say you've got a buy-to-let property, you bought it 15 years ago, it's in central London, you paid £300,000 for it, it's now worth £1.5 million, you're thinking of selling, so you've got a £1.2 million uh, odd gain uh, on it, which, is, which you're going to have to pay a lot of capital gains tax, most of it at 28%, uh, once you go into the higher rate uh, bracket, what you could do is run that, uh, change, change that property into service accommodation, 
run it for two years, and if you meet the rules for entrepreneurs relief, you can sell that, that property then as, let, let's say, a serviced accommodation business, uh, and the profit you make, which is 1.2 odd million, like I said earlier, rather than paying 28% tax on most of it, which would be a huge, huge number, you would only pay 10% tax, which would be, in, in this case, 120,000 pounds. Of course, you get your annual exemption of 12,000 as well, but let's leave that to the side for now. Uh, uh, so you're going to significantly, significantly reduce the amount of tax that you pay uh, on that one property. But of course, uh, if you've got other service accommodation units, then that's not going to work because you've got to sell the whole or the part or a part of the business, but a, a recognizable part of the business. Uh, but sometimes people only have one property and they've kind of got a massive gain and they don't want to sell because they don't want to pay the 28% capital gains tax on residential property. So think about changing that into uh, service accommodation. Something else which I would encourage you to think about is think how you can use a partnership or a limited liability partnership. I'm more of a fan of limited liability partnerships, but you, you can use either or. Think about using one of those. Let's, let's just say you've chosen a limited liability partnership, so an LLP. Think about setting it up as an LLP uh, and make sure you claim capital allowances because if you claim capital allowances, that's going to reduce your taxable profit. Uh, and you could get to a stage where you significantly reduce your taxable profit, okay? But you don't pay any ta income tax because those capital allowances have reduced your profits, but the money's in the bank and you can use that money as you please. So a very quick, quick example for you, if you've made a hundred thousand pounds profit and you're running as a limited company uh, and you've got a hundred thousand pounds worth of capital allowances, you'd pay no corporation tax. However, the hundred grand is stuck in the company. If you take that money out personally, you're then going to have to pay income tax, okay, on the salary of the dividend, which you might not want to do. If it's, an, if it's a sole trader, limited liability partnership or normal partnership, and you make a hundred thousand pound profit, again, a hundred grand worth of capital allowances means no uh, tax to pay. You can take out that hundred thousand pounds because you've still got the money in the bank, remember? You can take that money out uh, and use it as you please. And I say you've got the money in the bank, of course you could have invested in, in other deals, but we're just gonna assume you've made profit, you paid all your expenditure, and that profit is in your bank account. It doesn't always work like that, but we're just gonna keep it very, very simple so that you can follow this particular idea. So you can see the benefit that if you have a sole trader partnership or an LLP, once you've used the capital allowances, uh, and let's say using my example, you end up on no uh, taxable profit, you've still got the money in the bank, let's say a hundred thousand pounds, and you can use it as you please. So for that reason, using uh, an un a sole trader partnership on LLP is going to be really, really useful. But of course, if you've depleted all your capital allowances, that then means you might end up paying 40% as a higher rate taxpayer or 45% as an additional rate taxpayer, which might be problematic. But if, you, if you're going to carry on buying more and more service accommodation units, which quite a few of my clients end up doing, then you're going to carry on accumulating and building a large reserve, if I can call it that, of capital allowances and give you quite a few years to use them up. Once you've used up all your capital allowances, then you could possibly think of incorporating your service accommodation business and moving it into a limited company uh, and then obviously run it as some people do, which is through a company. Sometimes I get asked, can I have a separate limited company as the managing agent or the, or the management company? 
The answer is yes, you can do that if, if you want to, and you can set up a, a joint venture relationship. You can also set that up and see how you can make Tom's work for you. So just a quick recap on some of the tax benefits that you should be thinking about. So make sure you know the, the conditions about the availability of letting, uh, the period of occupation and the actual days that the prop, uh, property is let. And then with that, you've got the averaging election and the period of grace. Uh, and some of the advantages of uh, service accommodation, Section 24, mortgage interest relief, capital allowances, the pensions, uh, contributions. Uh, if you own just one single property, think about turning it into service accommodation and then selling it and claiming entrepreneur's relief. And then think about the total operator's margin scheme and see how you can make that work for you so you can change uh, how much VAT you pay. I hope you find that useful. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.